I'm Brandon Bartnick, and this is the Future of Mobility podcast. We're at an exciting time in the mobility sector with new technology causing us to continually question the way we move both goods and people. My job is to talk to the people leading this revolution and to highlight the challenges and opportunities we face as we develop and implement safe, sustainable, and equitable mobility solutions. This podcast is brought to you by FEV. Check us out on LinkedIn or learn more at FEV.com. This week's guest is Asaf Weisbrot. Asaf is Chief Commercial Officer at Autonomo, a company working to make car data as valuable as possible for drivers, passengers, and the transportation ecosystem. Vehicles now collect a mind-boggling volume of data, but this data isn't often used to its full potential. In this conversation, Asaf and I talk about the different types of data that is available and practical examples of how this data can be used to improve the safety and efficiency for various aspects of the mobility sector. We also touch on key points such as privacy and security. Please enjoy my conversation with Asaf Weisbrot. Today I'm joined by Asaf Weisbrot. Uh, nice, nice to meet you. Thank you for coming on. Nice to be here, Brandon. Uh, it's, uh, it's really exciting. I'm looking at uh, the, the topics. Everything's uh, very, very spot on and very, very uh, relevant for autonomous. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so could you actually start us off by kind of introducing your, yourself and what you're doing? Yeah, as you, I'm, I'm Autonomous Chief Commercial Officer, uh, which means that I have both the responsibility to get autonomous access to the best OEM data possible in the market and get autonomous the best data consumers, those that can, those that can general, generate significant value from that vehicle data. And mm-hmm. in a nutshell, that's what Autonomo does. Uh, we help OEMs and other vehicle data uh, providers uh, to generate as much value as possible from the data. Um, and we, we usually take their data in three different uh, journeys. We take them uh, into um, the B2B domain where this data can help fleets and fleet management companies and leasing companies and rental companies uh, improve their operation using vehicle data. Uh, we help them uh, make this data accessible to developers on, on the aggregate data side, smart cities that need to figure out traffic patterns, parking solutions that want to better understand what happens in the parking lot, uh, mapping companies that want to dynamically feed um, road signs into their data and, and this kind of uh, uh, um, this kind of uh, uh, um, sorry for the interrupt uh, this kind of uh, um, uh, companies that uh, need uh, um, a trend analysis in order to extract value from the vehicle data. Uh, similarly to that, we, we also work uh, uh, on providing more value to, to drivers. Uh, so if you're buying a car and the car is connected, you want uh, to be able to entertain the value of data for your uh, car insurance with several different providers. Uh, you want uh, um, on-demand cleaning or on-demand fueling to be available for you while your vehicle data is being pushed to the on-demand service so that you don't have to be at the car. You want to just, uh, you want the car to just uh, uh, communicate the location uh, or the tire pressure when, when it needs uh, handling or the fuel level when it needs handling. 
And so uh, uh, currently there is a big gap in the automotive world between connected cars and the data they generate and what services are actually associated with that. And we are working in that domain to close the gap and make the data as valuable as possible to the drivers and the fleet owners. Yeah, and I want to talk in specific about some of these applications, uh, but yeah, you you'd mentioned kind of at the end there. So it, it seems like there, there certainly are a lot of sensors and computing power now on, on vehicles, but yeah, and I'm not a connected vehicle expert by any means, but my, my sense is that we're not taking full advantage of all of this data that's now at our um, disposal. So it, it seems like that's where Autonomous uh, playing and trying to, to help out, right? Yeah, so, so I think if you look at the vast majority of data today, it ends up buried in the car. It never makes it past the mobile connectivity barrier. So if you just compare the cost of the mobile connectivity per month, $1, $2, it means that all the data staying on the car side, nobody thinks it's valuable. Mm-hmm. And I could agree to a certain level that most of the data is good on the car level, but only very few parameters are being uh, actually pulled out of the car and into the platform uh, just because there's no good uh, monetization path. There's no good uh, easy way of generating value from the data and, and autonomous is, is all about closing that gap. And what type of uh, specific data streams are we talking about here? So I imagine the GPS location is an easy one. Yeah, I would say that that's like the, the you know, this is the the immediate suspect. So taking mobility data out of the car is one thing. Um being able to provide a very wholesome sensor a, a, a portfolio of data is a very different thing, and that's what Autonomo does. Um, even working with the um, road engineering, smart city, technology companies, and consultancies today, Autonomo is more focused on working on the entire amplitude of sensor rather than focusing on on FCD, on on floating car data, on GPS speed and heading. Um, We see more and more value uh, arising from uh, the correlation between different types of data. Autonomous, for instance, is able to take a specific location today and offer a developer the FCD for 200,000 cars in a specific location. You get constantly a stream of GPS speed and heading. That's one layer. Mm -hmm. The other layer we would add on top is all the hazard data those cars are reporting. You would like to see uh, all the fog uh, uh, encounters uh, for all the cars, all the heavy rain encounters, how many breakdowns, how many accelerations, how many brakes, just as an event. And of course, on top of that, you would like to get a traffic sign feed from all those cars that they, we take from their ADA system to tell you, uh, for instance, where dynamic or electronic uh, speed signs are changing from 90 to 50. And now you want to look at those three streams and start to get the correlation. What actually happens to the FCD, to the floating car data? What happens to the traffic when I take the speed down? Because 
one car that is driving with ADAS identified the, the, the electronic speed sign going from 90 to 80. What happens after the day passed? Go and look into the FCD. Is it creating the same effect of some car breaking down, of a hazard being identified on the road, of fog or rain? Okay, one car identified fog or rain. What happens then? So you can look in several different channels and use the correlation to better understand or get more depth into the traffic. Not only how is the traffic behaving, what is the cause and effect? Yeah, and this this is interesting. So now we're talking kind of about this aggregate um, bucket, right, of uh, traffic management and, and, and smart city, which I think is, is interesting. Part of the promise for connected and automated vehicles is that it, it helps with congestion and ultimately um, it, it should help with emissions and, and uh, vehicle efficiency. If you get enough vehicles, right, that are driving, they're not slowing as often, slamming on the brakes. But the, the challenge, as I understand it, in the short term is when you have a few of these systems with maybe not perfect um, adaptive cruise control systems, it actually makes things worse because they're driving with huge gaps and they're stopping and, and slowing. Or you go from 90 to 50 and they suddenly slam on the brakes rather than a, a, uh, a slow change. Are these the type of situations that you, you guys are seeing as well? or that you're able to help your customers understand? It's, it's a good question. If the customer is a, um, a smart city, they'll be more interested in what's happening on the road. But if the customer is a self-driving car developer, they do want to understand what happens where, to the entire traffic when one driver is hitting the brakes and how hard they hit the brakes. And we are able to give them exactly that correlation because mm -hmm. At the end of the day, um, you know, you want to look at big trends of traffic patterns developing around a foggy area. And then you want to take it to your self-driving car and understand how should they behave, not just for optimal behavior, but also in order to blend into uh, traffic culturally. It's not, like you said, they might be pressing the brakes so quick and so hard that this car would stop, but nobody would ever be able to stop behind it because this is a machine breaking mm -hmm. and not a person breaking and people break differently. Um, so this is a, you know two different aggregate data customers that would use different aspects of the data, different cuts and correlations of the data for their own purposes. And so the, the uh, self-driving car you or the the data provided to a self-driving car company i think is interesting as well so one of one of the things as i understand that tesla has done that's unique is that they've employed this fleet of every tesla vehicle that's on the road and they do a nice job of collecting all that data and in real time making use of that data maybe, maybe as traditional car companies in the past have not it where where is kind of what, what Autonomous does? What, what type of customers do you work with and what type of uh, data or solutions are you providing there? You mean what type of customers in terms of OEMs? Yeah, if, if you're talking about the, the again, it could be OEMs or also supplier, um, component suppliers, theoretically, in the self-driving area. I would say that, you know, let, let's uh, do some kind of split between data providers those are OEMs, they provide us with data and usually they, those that buy the data are the customers. 
But if the comparison to Tesla, Tesla would be, Tesla is both on both sides of autonomous. Mm -hmm. They are collecting their own data and they're doing, and they're disseminating it and, and, and distributing it themselves. And like you said, they're doing a good job and they're self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. So they managed to extract a lot of value from their vehicle data. But not all OEMs are focused on the same areas as Tesla and, 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 and Autonomo is helping them bridge that gap with a third party technology. Meaning that when they are able to share this data with analytics companies easily, they might be able to go back to their fleet and, and, and maybe trigger an over-the-air update the same day thing as Tesla is doing today. Otherwise, we need to wait for the entire automotive world to become Tesla. Mm -hmm. And so you're essentially allowing the opportunity. So rather than having a, a fleet of 100 vehicles driving around the country that are pre-development mule vehicles that are driving all of this or collecting all this data, you can in some ways collect this from actual vehicles in production that are serving other purposes, whether with a customer or, or like a personal customer or a fleet, right? So I would say that, that if you look at the consultancy or, or, a, or a tier one, they, they, they would definitely be able to purchase this data from us rather than wait for a fleet to be available for them, which will never happen. If you're looking at the OEMs, they're already collecting the data. But Autonomo is allowing them to augment their data science team with third-party data science teams, third-party analytics, third-party anything mm -hmm. that could use the data to take the value back into the into to take the value back to the drivers with additional application, additional analytics, efficiency, study, whatever is needed there. So, so the data is collected by the OEMs. The question is, how much is done with it? Gotcha. Okay, and then let's let's talk a bit about um, kind of the the B two B areas. What what are the main services, or, or well, maybe start with customers. Who who are the main types? Of, we, we talked a little bit about suppliers and and consultants, but how, how about fleet management companies or? or things like that, who are your main customers? Absolutely, so so I, I would say that, you know, our customers are, uh, are coming from a, a, a different and all directions of, of uh, uh, the B2B area because I think it's probably the only use case that is self-sufficient for vehicle data. It's the only place where uh, you see that that very high proportion of the fleets are connected today and they are uh, uh, doing it with OBD, for instance. So they know how to justify the cost. And it, I think it's probably the most, the place where, they, where connectivity is most uh, 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 popular and, and you, it is most justified. Um, at the same time, I'm not sure that aftermarket solution is the right solution. Uh, so embedded makes a lot of sense. If you buy a car, it's connected. It's probably more efficient economically. But for the fleet, it's very rare to be a single OEM buyer. They're usually made out of multi-multiple uh, 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 providers. And so you start to get a very odd mixture of business operations, activities, 
where you have to add and remove uh, vehicle identifiers from the um, from the fleet from different OEMs, different systems. So you have to work with five, six different systems. And of course you have to retrieve data from different systems and it keeps on changing all the time. And Autonomo is going to the fleet and saying, you know, or the fleet management system or the leasing company or the financing uh, bank, bank uh, uh, auto, you know, uh, bank automotive financing and going to them and say, yeah, moving to embedded solution makes sense but not if you have to pay for all those integrations yourselves and do it with them yourselves and negotiate them yourselves. You, you, you can do it once with Autonomo and you don't, don't need to integrate again. So you have one business operation. You want to add a fleet account number or remove it. You want to add a VIN or remove it. You want to retrieve data, whether it is request response or stream. You do it once with Autonomo and then you have 12 OEMs available. And the type of data that these so, so you said, yeah, they already have existing solutions often in place that you guys can help to streamline it, it seems. But so the type of uh, data that they're collecting is helping them make decisions to, for optimizing, I don't know, routes or making sure that the vehicle uptime utilization is up, uh, things yeah. like that, right? You know, fleet management solutions are very broad today. Yeah. It can help them uh, optimize the route. It can help them prevent theft of the vehicle or theft of the cargo. Uh, it can help them uh, make the right uh, uh, residual value decisions in the fleet, hmm. which cars is, has more mileage and less mileage. It can help them schedule the maintenance much more effectively according to the actual odometer, not the estimations. Uh, and it can, it can uh, also... Uh, help them monitor fuel consumption and monitor uh, tire pressure uh, uh, in a way that helps them, you know, kind of uh, control wear and tear, control consumption, control uh, fuel efficiencies um, without having to um, plug any hardware in the car and make uh, this uh, three years sunk cost. It's just software-based solution all the way cloud, you know, cloud born and, and, and easy to activate in a single click. Mm -hmm. How about more like single use uh, passenger car type applications? So thinking about, I don't know, a, ve a vehicle that I could drive I, I, from a connected car space. I see a couple of, uh, of interesting applications you had mentioned. Yeah. Tire pressure is I think an, an, obvi an obvious one, letting us know when we need to go fill it up. Uh, predictive maintenance for different components I think is is interesting and maybe not not shared that often um, I don't know, insurance solutions that can tailor to my exact driving where what do you guys think about some of those fields well they're definitely most interesting and the most promising segment financially this goes to every passenger car the multipliers are bigger mm -hmm. the number of use cases are a, 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 you know much broader um, I think the, the only uh, uh, challenger that, that is the growth pace is very slow. Hmm. Uh, for a B2B it's, you know, domain, it's very easy to justify connectivity. For B2C, it's a bit harder. And even if you uh, think about insurance, uh, it's not the same multipliers. Um, but, but yes, I think that's the biggest market is use cases like insurance or uh, on-demand services of, of fueling, cleaning, tire pressure, 
rectification are very popular. I think for EVs, also the use case of a charging application and charging roaming applications, multi-CPO multi applications, uh, depends a lot on state of charge in the car. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that is also driving a, a more a vehicle data usage. And at the same time, uh, EVs are not exactly where you find a lot of OBD ports because those are there's no emission there. Yeah. Um, so the use of embedded data is becoming more and more important. How about for hybrid vehicles? So I know there's some interesting things from a uh, from a control and calibration angle that some of the OEMs are able to use their uh, connected car and then also some of the autonomous or automated vehicle sensor data. Um, is, is there anything in that space where you play? I think the place where we, we play is all those calibration depend on the vehicle data heavily. Yeah. So when you, when you open this market and the data is available, uh, it could be the Toyota automotive, you know, the, the, the Toyota hybrid calibrator or some other company that's just doing calibration uh, as, as an expertise. Uh, so yeah, it opens the market to, to more players that would make the, the, life, of the, uh, the life of the driver uh, better. And for the, yeah, so then for the direct-to-consumer B2C type applications, are the, who is your actual customer? So is this something that you would provide as a, as some type of an after, aftermarket solution that I would buy for myself to have some installed in my vehicle? Is it the OEM who would integrate something or is it, uh, I don't know, a, a separate company? Our customers are, are the data the companies that are consuming the data. So the insurance company would be my customer. Yeah. They want access to the data. They'll pay for it, and they'll provide uh, the driver with some discounts for good driving, low mileage, uh, this kind. But for that, they need odometer read. For that, they need to understand uh, FCD and accelerometer mm -hmm. uh, on the car level and, and to be able to associate it with uh, specific discounts. That's gotcha. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. There's so many, I mean, as we've, I think, covered a lot of ground, there's, there's so many different uses for this uh, connected car data. So it's in... It, yeah, it absolutely. To, go ahead. I think uh, we are only scratching the surface. You know, we, we are... Uh, it, it's, it's not a market that's been running for 200 years like cars. It's, it's, a, it's a new market. And there are some new applications every... Every year we see new ones. We're constantly seeking for new ones, you know, and, and scouting for new ones. Um, and I think it's, you know, you, you start to see that some of the most, you know, um, some of the most tedious tasks for an employee could be replaced with automation. So we mm -hmm. see, I don't know, if you, if you use a fuel card, you sometimes need to go fuel with the plastic card and you need to write down your odometer or whatever and then and, and, and write down oh, why do it when I can pull pull the odometer yeah. out of the car when you're fueling. I know you're fueling. I know where you are. You have an app and still people need to do it on a paper. It doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't bring value to anyone. It's more accurate with a, with a read from the car. 
Nobody likes to fill those end of the month fuel card reports or whatever. It doesn't make sense. So it's a small thing that's just making life uh, better for everyone. Of course, not to talk about road safety mm-hmm. and emergency services that are based on, on vehicle data like roadside assistance uh, can, uh, you know, can make their services uh, availability and readiness to repair you You know, if you know where the car is and, and you know what is the DTC or you know what is the malfunction lamp indication that's currently uh, uh, on in the car, you don't have to ask the person what is the color of the, uh, of the lamp and what is, what, is the, what is this picture you see on the lamp when everybody got their own interpretation, what that coil means or curl or whatever. So, you know, you can make things more accurate, more efficient, give people better service. And it's all driven by data. And the data is there. We just need to make sure uh, we're using it. Yeah, and I think you're talking to a couple of immediate like, direct benefits of using this connected vehicle data. But also, I mean, if you think of, I don't know, the, the four big mega trends that have been stated for a few years now, the case, so connected, automated, shared, electrified vehicles, it seems like connected is kind of the one that's often forgotten, but it's also a huge enabler for the, the other ones in that autonomous vehicles are much easier if, if uh, or even required that they're able to communicate with each other and with the infrastructure. Same with shared mobility, ha- having some ability to uh, accurately I don't, map where your vehicles are, how they're moving and all that things is uh, critical information. I, I agree. I think from, you know, looking at case, you know, the, the abbreviation, um, the only thing that really happened is connected. Yeah. Electrification is underway. Shared mobility got a big hit with Corona, and, but it was, it was getting there. And connected, you look at almost at all the brands today, they have a one, two year plan already, hardware selected going into the car. And so it's there. But unlike the other letters in the abbreviation, connected is the only one that's pushing all the others. Mm-hmm. It's not the other way around. Connected is pushing autonomous. It's a necessary ingredient for autonomous driving. But connected is also pushing uh, electric vehicles. If, if the electric vehicle is not connected, it's very difficult to provide a uh, route navigation for electric vehicles. You need to collect the state of charge constantly to understand if it's go left or go right and not according to what is the shortest route to the destination, but what is the shortest route that also includes the charging point because I'm running out of mileage. You cannot do it without reading the, the actual state of charge from the car. So, yeah, if you want to reduce range anxiety, you should consider how you do it with the vehicle data. You want uh, uh, the, the, uh, the grid, the electric grid, to be available when people are charging. Everybody's going home at six. How do you do grid planning without getting a state of charge from the car? The, the, the charge point knows nothing and remembers nothing and conveys nothing to the grid. It's, it's a socket. The car always remembers what happens. So, yeah, electric vehicle. You, you are giving someone a recommendation to go to a specific charge point, which is supposedly good, but you, you see that the last six cars that visited that charge point received the malfunction and never managed to, to, to charge. 
you're not going to send another person there, right? Especially not on the last miles. You know, you don't want to make a mistake. All those areas that are driver journey, driving experience are very highly uh, depending, uh, highly dependent on data from the vehicle. At least that is the big uh, um, potential for rapid change in, in, in driver journey without making changes to the car. You don't have to, there's no over the air. You just need to use the data you already have from the car properly. And I think also for shared mobility, after all, shared mobility in all forms is all about efficient fleet management. And there's no efficient fleet management without, uh, without data, let alone when you're talking about autonomous cars. Those are not passenger cars. Those are supposed to be fleets. Again, if they drive nicely with the connected vehicle, it's nice. If they're not properly managed as a fleet, they don't operate. So from that part, the case part, the, the connected part of case is actually the one that's happening and the one that's pushing all the others forward as an yeah. enabler. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And can we talk then just quickly about uh, so a potential concern of uh, privacy or consent for the, the driver? So uh, yeah, how do you approach or, or think about that? So I think that... that uh, we couldn't be more concerned. We, we, right from the start, we were so concerned. We understand we cannot sit on the sidelines. We cannot just, we cannot uh, 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 operate as a, as a data platform uh, without uh, uh, taking a side. You know, we, we should make a stand, mm -hmm. take a stand and, 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 and make a clear statement. And we knew right from the beginning that we're going to be the champions of privacy. And we, we knew that we're going to do it not by making statements, but by taking actions. And we started with two uh, products. One of them is a consent management hub that allows OEMs to digitally uh, provide transparency to the driver. What data am I sharing with third parties? What data am I not sharing? Who am I sharing with? What is the actual use, the purpose of use of the data? So I can control my own data. So we facilitate this transparent interaction with, with the driver. Hmm. And we provide the APIs for that. So every OEM can plug into that and very quickly change the dialogue uh, with, the, with the driver to a more transparent manner and, and looking at privacy, you know, Transparency, in hooking in privacy, regulation, transparency is one of the most basic uh, foundations of, 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 of privacy requirements. The other thing that we, 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 we launched and then we completed launching it this year is a data blaring engine. It's just supposed to help every data provider to minimize the data that they're sharing. If there's an unnecessary piece of data, cut it out. If you can share less accuracy on the GPS, don't do it. If you can shift the timestamps, shift them, but, but give minimal exposure when you, when, you shift it, when you send the data and only share what you need to share. And it's, it's good as an idea and it's maybe good as a policy. It's very difficult to digitally implement it. And we're providing OEMs with this, uh, the data blaring engine so they can take their policy and implement it. Hmm. So they have the tools to implement it 
and not uh, uh, just leave it as, as, as paper recommendation for, for the employees. And I say, don't share that. They can go and they can enforce it the same as they do with every firewall. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I hadn't thought of the uh, the data blurring part, but that it makes sense. I mean, I guess you don't you don't need to provide every single stream of data at a, at all times to the degree of uh, of accuracy that you're able to record it. I agree, and we talked before about car health. You know, if if I'm, I want to monitor the car health, do do I actually need the the the, the accurate GPS? I don't need it. If I know that the car is in New Jersey, it's good enough to know that, you know, maybe if there is, a, is, there is an error, I would like to know the exact GPS, but that's not, car mo- that's not health monitoring. So if you're doing health monitoring, Autonomous is not going to give you the exact GPS. It's going to give you some GPS, state level, city level, whatever. It's not an exposure. And again, if you're monitoring health, you do need to get associated to a single car for a long period. You cannot just look at one second of the car and say it's healthy or no. So we understand that you need a long sticky ID, but you don't need GPS. Yeah. So we don't need to give you that. And how about from the... the uh... If you're doing navigation, uh, or if you're doing a, a, an application that is assessing a speed on a specific uh, corridor, then I understand that you need the uh, accurate GPS, but I don't, need why, I don't see why you need data from one car for more than 10 minutes. Five minutes, three minutes. Understand? I can build you the entire corridor from ten thousand cars, not from one. So every car would contribute one kilometer, and that's it. You'll still know the speed, right? Yeah. So there are options, and we are giving those organizations the digital capacity to turn the options into actions and implement those internally. So yeah, privacy, uh, top of mind for autonomous. And we are acting on our uh, on this stand and, and, and implementing it every every uh, uh, every uh, step of the road. And from the uh, from the driver, the vehicle owner standpoint, it my my guess is it's more of a uh, I, don't, I don't know a paranoia than anything. I mean, if you have a cell phone in your pocket, you're already giving a ton of data out to the world. If you, uh, if you use the internet, if you drive in a car, all this data is already collected. It's just using it for a different purpose, right? Um, I think that, uh, you know, your car doesn't go to bed with you. So I guess the, 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 the accuracy and, and when you're a pedestrian, your car doesn't go with you. So the phone is going with you to more places. Yeah. So in terms of privacy and exposure, uh, my guess is that uh, the phone can expose much more than the car. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's our autonomous role to uh, argue with the, with the drivers. Mm-hmm. If they're concerned, we're just to just help them get the right level of uh, uh, privacy that they want. Yeah, it makes sense. Cool. Well, very, very interesting information about the, the connected car ecosystem and what autonomous is doing. Uh, I want to close with a... Uh, what I would call kind of my rapid fire section. So a couple of quick questions, kind of more about you rather than specifically autonomous or the, the work you're doing. Okay. So first one is a favorite book or, or books of yours. So anything in particular that you've uh, read through the years that stands out as something that's made an impact? Uh, I'll have to go for, uh, you're, you're, we're talking about English. So the old man in the sea. 
Okay. I mean, if you want, want to go in a different language, you can as well. I'll, I'll tell you, I haven't read it though. I'm not going to talk to the audience. Yeah. You said the old man in the sea? The old man, yeah. Cool. Um, how about a, uh, a hobby of yours or something you do outside of work? I run and I have an olive farm to, for olive oil. Really? That's, yeah. that's not fun. How, uh, how big is the olive farm? About 1,000 trees. Well, that, yeah, that's, that's got to be a lot of fun. I'd, I've only uh, only a few times had fresh olives, and it's, it's unbelievable how much better yeah. they are than what we get shipped over here. <laughs> yeah, you see now why I don't have enough time for books. <laughs> yeah, I, I could imagine. That's got to be a lot of work. Uh, yeah, and, but it's fun. The last, uh, the last of the, the rapid fire question. So, what, what is a personal strength of yours? So, what is something that you think, and I don't know if it's a personality strength or something you've picked up through the years, but something that you think you do well that uh, that helps you make the impact you're trying to make? I think persistence, yeah. especially working for a startup. There are many things you will have to try many times before they succeed. And if you don't have the endurance to go through the entire process until it succeeds, you end up with a lot of failures. Yeah, it make, makes sense. And uh, I can say you're, you're certainly not the first person working at a startup to have uh, persistence or resilience or, or something like that as the, uh, the strength that they, they noticed. Yeah, cool. yeah, it's, it's very useful. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could imagine. It's so, like playing defense, you know. It's uh, it's it's something that you can take with you everywhere. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, th thank you. I I really appreciate the time. This has been uh, a fun discussion, like I mentioned, and definitely learned a lot. Um, I will. I'll make sure I'll link to your LinkedIn page, Autonomous LinkedIn page, and and the website. Um, is there? I guess kind of a last open-ended question. Is there any any other resources or place that people should go to learn more? And then also um, just anything we missed or that you want to leave us with? I think if you go on the Autonomous LinkedIn page and Facebook page, you'll find a huge amount of vehicle data value resources. Okay. Uh, different use cases, different impacts, different segments. It's very interesting. We post almost every week and it's all collected there, all very interesting. And it's all kind of interviewing market specialists, experts uh, coming from their own direction. We have a, a very interesting collection of experts in Autonomo, people that came from, uh, from, from the fleet area, from insurance, from, uh, from telematics, from, you know, from mapping. So uh, yeah, we, we we let them voice their opinion and how and and and, uh, and show how the vehicle data is impacting their segments. Awesome, and I don't know if we if you touched on this at the beginning, but so Autonomo based out of Tel Aviv is is that right? Autonomo is based out of Herzliya. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's uh, it's on the it's on the Mediterranean shoreline. The office is 500 meters from the Mediterranean, and it's just a bit north of Tel Aviv. Ah, it's okay. another, uh, Israel has a few high-tech uh, hotspots, and then Herzliya is one of them. Gotcha. Well, yeah, thanks again. I really appreciate the time, and I, I think that's... Thank you very uh, much, Brendan. Really awesome.
The Future Mobility Podcast is brought to you by FEV. For more than 40 years, FEV has been a global leader in the development of mobility solutions for the transportation industry. With a team of experts passionate about innovation through the design, development, integration, and validation of turnkey vehicle and propulsion system technologies, FEV is your partner for the development of future mobility solutions. I'm your host, Brandon Bartnick. If you want to learn more or get in contact, share feedback or questions, the best place to find me is on LinkedIn at Brandon Bartnick. Thanks for listening.